Welcome back to Two Real Witches. Hello and blessed be, I'm Oak. And I'm Danny, and we're a couple of witches walking the path of Gardnerian Wicca. Every full moon and new moon, we're discussing things we're learning and researching, sharing magical discourse, and hold space for other witches to do the same. We're two real witches, shooting the shit and nerding out on magical topics. So if you're into the occult, the esoteric, or the otherworldly, come hang out with us in the liminal space of sound. Welcome to season two, y'all. We Yay. are stoked across this milestone. Um, and we're so grateful to everyone who has listened and really given us really f- helpful feedback about how to formulate this season. But before we jump into this interview with Sai, we wanted to wish you all a happy Samhain, aka the Witch's New Year. Um, we aren't covering this topic for this Sabbath this go around, but we will be doing a deep dive into that next year at this time um, at the end of the season. Yeah, we do want to, um, however, you know, we have a full year's worth of episodes planned in the works, and we wanted to just give you a little bit of an overview of what to look forward to in the upcoming seasons. Um, So yeah, Danny, kick us off here. Yeah, so we'll be running from Samhain to Samhain, so a full turn of the year. Uh, We had a shortened season, our first season, and really that just covered our outer court time. Um, So this year we want to kind of explore different topics and the ones that we were working on in our outer court. Yeah. So we're going to rotate through a handful of topics, uh, interviews like the one you're about to listen to. (laughs) We're also going to do deep dives on Sabbaths. Um, So we're going to be looking not only at a Sabbath, but also at a tool that you could consider connected to uh, that Sabbath. We'll go more into detail on that and be less cryptic. Um, But we're going to do some deep dives (laughs) on what, you know, I I see as a 101 topic. And uh, as we talked about in our last episode, I'm always a little bit resistant to cover yet again another 101 topic because there's so much content out there. But I believe that we'll be able to bring kind of a novel um, approach to that information. So we'll do the deep dive on Sabbaths and tools. um, And we're also going to be sprinkling in some book reports. What were we calling that, Danny? I'm forgetting. Literary liturgies. Okay. I didn't forget. I just cannot ever say that, I think. Um, so the lit lits, uh, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> uh, the book reports, we're going to do more of like a, you know, giving you the highlights and meaningful takeaways, not really a review because it's not for us to say whether a book is good for you or not good for you, but we do want to highlight, you know, what were our takeaways, um, discuss maybe how we're, you know, we're integrating that information into our lives or maybe how it already reflects some of the things that we have found and, you know, that we have integrated into our day to days. And then finally, I think we want to address the kind of uh, person that this could be most useful for. For instance, if you were a more advanced witch or more um, junior rich, if you were really into astrology or really into divination, right? Like whatever, we're going to just try to give you kind of guidance around who we think would find the most value from it. Yep. And then you can also find us this season on all streaming services. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting (laughs) stuff. Um, At the point of recording this, I hadn't figured it out yet because I'm a last minute winner. Um, It's called procrastination and pressure makes diamonds, but it will be there. We'll be be everywhere by the time I'm really excited about it because I have nothing to do with it. That's why I'm like, oh, this is so great. Okay, but you are. Michelle, that Oak is doing. Yeah, but you are handling um, a big, big new thing for us, which is. I'm going to be launching our Facebook page. Oh my gosh. Do or die. Here it goes. Yeah. Fireworks. We're going to be interacting with you guys. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to create like, you know, a community around people who, you know, listen to our podcast and and get to know us and tell us what they're really interested in. I'm, I'm really pumped about that. Yeah, I mean, I think community within any witchcraft circle is really important now, if if not at any other time. Um, but yeah, we're always, you know, we really want to get people's feedback and uh, to have our blind spots pointed out to us. So having something like Facebook will allow us that opportunity to learn more, to connect with what people want. But also, what a great way to tell us we're full of shit and that we're wrong and that we need to go <laughs> read a different book. Um, I want that. Uh, 
because I'm a negative Nancy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> at any rate, uh, so, you know, with all that being uh, covered, I think we're ready to jump into our first episode of season two with our very first interview ever. Are you so excited, Danny? I, I literally can't wait. Okay. Well, without any further ado, here's our interview with Sai. Allow me to introduce and welcome the accomplished Sai to the podcast. He's a third degree high priest of the Rose Coven, which Oak and I are members of. Um, Sai has been practicing Gardnerian for two decades. He was initiated to the lineage of Haitian voodoo out of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, 15 years ago. In recent years, Sai was elevated to third degree high priest in the Minoan Brotherhood. Sai is also the admin of the Flagler County Pagan Facebook group of North Florida. And Sai is most well known as the admin, architect, and owner of Madrigora Magica, as well as being a talented graphic designer. Uh, he does the community art and the graphic design, creating personalized coven sigils, tools, and layouts for some oath-bound publications. So we are so grateful to have him on our show as our guest in our first interview in season two. Um, so welcome to the show, Sai. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> this is where like fireworks should go off. Yes. I don't know. Like something else should happen. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. We're really excited. Just first episode of season two is always like, there's that, what is it going to be? Right. Like, how do we want to start this out? And so to bring someone that is very near and dear to our hearts um, onto the podcast is just the right move, I think. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. All That's right. a really nice introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. And then we're going to kind of just ease in slow. Um, we are very astro curious. And by astro curious, I mean, I am very curious about astrology and, and Oak actually knows enough about it um, to be dangerous. And so <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> and so would you be willing to share with us? What are your big three? Yeah. So I'm a dichotomy, I think. I'm a, I'm a wackadoo in my own, I guess everybody is, but yeah. So I'm a sun Pisces uh, and a moon Aries, and my rising is also in Pisces. So I'm basically artistic and creative and headstrong. And <laughs> so I'm in Aries mood, which makes me kind of like a stable person, but I'm also a Pisces, which allows me to drink a lot more wine than I should. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sensing all of the vapors coming off you. Like you're very steamy. I like that fire water balance. <laughs> I think that I, I sweat a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's Florida. So if you didn't, it'd be weird. Um, before you jump in, I just wanted to set a little bit of an intention, um, around what the topics are going to be that we explore because we know that you had an amazing interview with Ashley from Seeking Witchcraft, um, that was published back in 2022, November 2nd. Um, I will link that so that people could reference it, but I just wanted to make sure that we're covering things that are like net new and novel. Um, so you know, in that conversation, you gave amazing advice on how to find Gardnerian covens um, and just talked about, you know, your amazing website. Uh, and so in this interview, I think what we'll do is probably just focus on the other facets of you, which there are many, uh, as we could tell from the intro. <laughs> so um, <laughs> as I uh, as described in the intro, you know, you have been a practitioner of a handful of different magical traditions. So I would just love for you to share more about what it's been like for you. Um, maybe we can jump into the Gardnerian tradition. Uh, obviously, you're a high priest and you obviously have a lot of experience in that space. So why were you drawn to the Gardnerian tradition initially? Well, I wasn't really. Um, I was initially just really interested in Wicca. I had no idea. Like this, I became interested in paganism as a really young child. Um, so I didn't completely understand all the different traditions or how they were related and how they were different. I really had very little understanding of that. So um, I happened to live in South Florida and South Florida has a hotbed of Gardnerians down there. There's just a bunch of them because there was some um, influential high priestesses in that area that moved to Florida from New York from back in the day, the 70s, when, you know, Wicca mm -hmm. came to the United States. Um, they moved to South Florida and they set up shop there and, you know, uh, they created a lot of initiates. So when I went and interviewed with the, the group that I found, 
I was in a Gardnerian covenant, had no idea. So, or I was init- or talking with people that were Gardnerians and didn't really understand. So I knew that I wanted structure and I knew that these people were structured and that's what I was really looking for. It's so hard to imagine a world before all of the resources that are currently available um, and like what that was like to try to find a coven. How did you find the, your first coven? Well, you know, I mean, it was only 20 years ago, so I did still find them <laughs> using the internet. It's just that yeah. things weren't as quite as big as they are now where you can go on the internet and find anything that you're looking for. Back then it was a little bit harder and you did have to do a little bit more research and things were a little, felt a little sketchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget like the very first time I reached out to these people, I was like, so I'm looking for a group that's structured and this and that. I kind of told them a little bit about who I was and what I was looking for. And they're like, Oh, come, you can come to the house and meet us. And I was like, you want me to come to you? <laughs> I'm really worried about this situation, but that's the way things were done. And, um, and I did shockingly I did. And I met them and they were lovely. And, um, I knew that that was the group that I wanted to work in at that time. So, and I spent the next 17 years going to their house every other week for <laughs> all that time, doing sabbats and doing esbats and learning the tradition. And um, I'd received all three of my degrees with that particular group. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, um, I always find it so fascinating, the connection between Florida and New York and seeing that specifically mm-hmm. in like the magical community. I know that there's a lot of, you know, Jewish people also that have that Florida, uh, New York connections. That's interesting to hear your take on, um, that. Why is that? What is, <laughs> what's with the Florida, what's happening New York with Florida, thing? New York? Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people at some point want to escape New York (laughs) and they're looking for warmer weather. You know, I don't know exactly what drove those particular high priestesses to move down here. Um, Maybe it was their families or whatever, you know, who knows Mm -hmm. what prompted them to do that, but they, um, they created beautiful, huge downlines of gardenarians um, that created a lot of community. So uh, it's kind of amazing. Love that. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Well, uh, so now we can transition from the 17 years of the clear that connection. Work. Yeah, clear connection, right? <laughs> um, and then what led you to the practice of voodoo? And like, what was the timeline or overlap uh, between the two practices? Well, see, I never intended to be initiated into any multiple things. Like, I always was interested in witchcraft. I was always interested in Wicca and paganism. Um, that was my main focus. You know, as a child, I was not raised in a um, a strict Christian family. My, my family was very open. I chose to go to a Baptist church when I was young because my friends went. Um, my, fam- my mom and dad were like, if you want to go, go. Um, they were not pushy on it. They never, we didn't pray at the table or anything like that. We were very, they were very open, kind of let us choose our own paths. All their children were treated this way. Um, so I was lucky in that respect. I wasn't baptized, never was baptized in a church or anything like that. My dad actually baptized me in the bathtub, he said, when he was a kid. Now, my dad's kind of a redneck, love him to death, but he was like, I can do that myself, which I love because that's very empowering. And that's the way that we as pagans kind of see things. I can do that myself. So I love the fact that my dad said, I'm going to baptize you and brought me into the bathtub and dumped me underwater. (laughs) You know, that's all that's required, right? Some some nice words and some water. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I remember him telling this story and my mom looked at him and said, you did what? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but like I said, I was not intending to get involved in multiple traditions or anything, but, um, people get put down for this type of behavior, right? Because they say, oh, this person's a badge collector. They just want this. And how can you do multiple things and not find um, power in them and blah, 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 blah. And it's completely wrong. I have learned so much from being involved in different things that it makes me much more well-rounded. Now, I would definitely say that Gardnerian witchcraft, style witchcraft is my... um, my focus. It is my, my worldview, my spiritual worldview is Gardnerian witchcraft. That's kind of what forms my entire spiritual being. Um, and it's because of my love for the goddess and what I have always felt the goddess to be that 
and I'm fulfilled by doing gardeneria and witchcraft because of that, um, that style of witchcraft. So my intentions when it came to like voodoo, I lived in South Florida and in any, if you, anybody ever has ever lived in South Florida, they will know that the Loa of voodoo and the Orisha of Santeria, those spirits uh, are very in your face down there. They're a part of the land. They live there and they're part of the people and the culture of that land. So when you're there, they're around you because they're in the people and they're in the land. So they, if you're open to it, they kind of speak to you just from being in the vicinity of it. So I had a lot of like um, crazy dreams where I was having all these dreams with uh, black spirits. And I was like, wow, this is so unusual. So I started talking to some friends of mine um, and I got introduced to a, a very good friend of mine named Mark Mollendorf, who was Hugon Abuja, introduced me to the person that would eventually initiate me named Arul Josue. He's from Haiti. And he's a very well-known Hungan there. He introduced me to him. I got some readings. Uh, he was also He's also a, a really well-known singer in Haiti and entertainer and performer. Um, so I work in the music industry. And so those two worlds just kind of collided and we became very good friends. And I was part of being around him a lot and um, talking to him and helping with his music stuff. And we just became friends. And I eventually initiated into uh, voodoo as Hungan Supwen, which is kind of like a second degree in voodoo. There's okay. three degrees in voodoo. There's Hunsi, Supwen, and Asagwe. Um, so I'm kind of in the middle of the road and will not go any further with it because here where I live now, which I moved to North Florida, there is no not really a community of voodoo sants in this area. And it's very hard to practice the religion without a community because mm -hmm. I, just to do the, the prayers in the beginning of a ceremony takes can take hours. <laughs> and without a bunch of people to be able to do that, it's nearly impossible for me to do on my own. And it's it, like I said, my spiritual worldview is really Gardnerian. I love voodoo. I love the people. I love the community. I love what it stands for. Um, but I definitely, I am a Caucasian man here, and it is not my culture, and I'm acknowledging that. Um, but they were very accepting of me for the most part. Some of the people, I would say half the people <laughs> were very <laughs> accepting of somebody as an outsider coming in. Yeah. Um, and the rest of them would kind of look at you a little wonky, but um, I learned a lot being there and it actually helped uh, stabilize me and it helped me focus more on what I wanted to get out of my witchcraft. It, it really deepened my layers of understanding of spiritualism spirituality uh it, it really helped me understand where i wanted to go in my personal spiritual journey okay yeah i definitely want to dive into that a little bit deeper like what uh, aspects of voodoo do you think kind of pull into um, perhaps your practices i know we've we've talked uh previously about just the ancestral veneration and how strong that is in the voodoo practice so definitely want to dive into that um but i want to just cover again another <laughs> yet another uh different practice that and uh, that you're following right now, which is the Minoan Brotherhood. What led you to this practice? I mean, obviously, there's clear motivations in these other areas. So how did you find your place there? Right. So I've known about the Minoan Brotherhood for a really long time, you know, uh, being part of the larger Gardnerian community. These two things were kind of tied together. Uh, so the Minoan Brotherhood is basically directed towards men. Um, it's a specific like gardenerian witchcraft is very matriarchal or matrifocal and we it's really empowering to women and and in this respect the minoan brotherhood kind of empowers men mm -hmm. um it's focused mainly on gay and bisexual men um but any man can participate in it if they're comfortable with those types of energies so 
it was never my intention again, never to, to do this because I was quite happy just doing my gardenarian witchcraft. Um, but what happened is my husband uh, started to be drawn to the pagan outer court stuff I was doing with students that were coming to me. And so he started doing these rituals and, and actually really got a lot out of them. And it was really helpful for me to listen to what he was experiencing through this whole process. And at some point he just looked at me and he says, you know, I just don't think that that's exactly where I want to go with my spiritual life because it just doesn't resonate with me. I think that I would be more comfortable um, in a men's only type situation. And I was like, oh, well, there's the Minoan Brotherhood. And he said, will you please look into this? Um, And so I really, I, I did. I uh, reached out to another friend of mine who is also a gardenarian and voodoo saint and um, asked him about it. And he says, oh, I can help you with this. And so we just started speaking to him. And over a period of a couple years, we went through the initiations. The The paths are very similar to gardenarian. Um, the framework is very similar. Um the mythologies are very different, but the framework is all kind of similar. So being a gardenarian for so long, I already have a understanding of that framework. Okay. So anyways, that's what happened. We got initiated because my husband wanted to, and now we love it. So yeah. I mean, that's all a, great motivation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a, just as good a reason as any. So I love that. Um, you know, we are obviously very familiar with gardenarian practice um, as recent initiates, and I think um, there is a lot more well-known information about the gardenarian practice and the known uh, brotherhood, I think, would probably be, I don't know, it's hard to quantify this, but less well-known. So I would love to, just using that kind of gardenarian framework, where would you see the biggest differences between the two traditions? Well, it's all the mythology, right? The the myth. The mythos of the religions or, compl- or spiritual paths mm-hmm. uh, are completely different. Um, they would be very alien to people outside. I mean, they really speak to the gay community. So without being a gay man, I don't know that people would really understand it or want to be involved with it. <laughs> um, but as gay men, um, you know, we've lost a lot, I think, you know, the old world knew all about these things. You know, there was cults of gay men uh, that had their spiritualities that were being expressed to these different um, cults and religious things that they were doing. And we don't really have that. It was, it's been lost. You know, we, we live in the United States. We're a bunch of crazy people. And so I was, I think that having this to be for gay men to be able to express themselves is a really beautiful thing. Um, They're very different. Are they relatable? Yes. I think that um, they're similar enough that if somebody is both, they'll be like, oh, I completely understand how this happened. If they're just one of them, then they, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, at this point, they're completely different things that are relatable. Okay. Okay. So, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's helpful for me to kind of understand maybe where they're similar rather than where they're different. Cause I'm sure they're, as you pointed out, there's lots of differences. So, maybe on the other side of the coin, um, obviously, there's an initiatory aspect of the Minoan Brotherhood. Obviously, there is a mythos, as you pointed out, around um, their deities. And do, does this practice, uh, you know, do the same type of ritual work and circle casting and um, celebration of the turning of the year? Is it, would all those things be familiar in the Minoan Brotherhood? Yes. So that's why I say the framework is okay. the same. So the framework is the same, like, you know, casting circles and that, that type of thing. It would be very familiar to anybody that's used to those types of um, rituals. Um, so anybody would recognize those things in a Minoan circle. So yes, we have the eight, we have eight festivals that we do very similar to witchcraft Sabbaths. Um, and uh, we also celebrate like an Esbat type situation, mm-hmm. you know, maybe surrounding the full moon or the dark moon. Um, so yeah, we still follow all those um, types of moments in the wheel of the year so that we have a frame that framework still exists there so that we're able to practice 
um, the mythos that has been created, which is completely different. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay. And if somebody wanted to find out more about those differences or similarities, or if they don't even know the kind of Gardnerian practice, where should they look? Where would you point them? For the Minoan Brotherhood, they should go to minoanbrotherhood.org. That is probably, that's run by Minoan elders that have been involved for a very long time. The information there is very good. It's been written by the elders that have been involved in a very, for a very long time. So that's where I suggest anybody goes that's looking for that. Okay. And are you accepting outer court members? Or I don't know if they call it an outer court, but is that something that you're looking to build? I think so. So, <laughs> you know, you know, in all your time free, that exactly. it doesn't right. exist. So, you guys know we run a lot. We have a lot of group meetings and I'm always doing a lot of things. I have multiple jobs. I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of things for the community. So keeping up with all that stuff is definitely interesting and difficult. But I do think that um, if students that were very, very interested came to me, I would definitely try to accommodate them because my main goal is to bring witchcraft to other people. Um, It's been such an important and formative thing for me that I want to give it to others. And I think that's what drives me, period. Uh, everything that I do is driven because I think it's so important that people have spiritual outlets. Mm-hmm. And um, without that, I just think that the world would suck <laughs> for me. <laughs> like yeah. if I didn't have a coven, if I didn't have my friends that were on the same wavelength as me that I could talk to mm-hmm. about these things, I wouldn't have the type of fulfilling life that I have. So I really need those things in my life. So if somebody comes to me and really wants it and really can motivate themselves to have, you know, to do the time, to do the work, then absolutely I'm going to take them on. I love that. Paying it forward. I see you. I see you, Sai. All right. Well, we're going to kick it into different gear. So thank you so much. I feel like this is an uh, interview for a job. (laughs) You have to share your work experience here. So thank you for talking this entire time. Uh, But we want to kind of get into, uh, you know, we just talked about the past. So now we're going to get into present. um, And Mm -hmm. Danny's going to take over. Yeah. So I would love to know, like, how do these influence show up in your current practice and your frequent practices? Do you find yourself kind of drawing a little bit from here, a little bit from there? Um, You know, in your personal practice, what does that look like between these three different frameworks? Well, you know, everybody's different, right? Everybody um, serves their gods in different ways. Um, I talk a lot about this type of thing with people that come to me for guidance because everybody is so different and I don't, and everybody brings something different to the craft. So Mm -hmm. I personally, I'm an artist, so I engage a lot with my deities and my spirits by creating for them, by creating altars or making tangible things for them. Or, you know, I do the, I'm doing ritual practically every week of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, so it might be exhausting and it drives me nuts sometimes, but as a mentor and a guide and others that are coming around, I, I think that serving the gods is so personal in the way that people do it. Um, and some people need to have like these things that they do every single day. I need to motivate myself to do this amount of meditation and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I don't really function that way. I kind of serve my ancestors on Mondays. I'll do a little thing for them. I'll turn their lights on, light a candle, pour some water, talk to them a little bit. Um, And ritualistically after that, it is what it is. So either I'm building altars, I'm everything that I do is serving the gods is the way that I see it. So sitting here right now talking to you guys, I feel like I'm serving my deities by doing so because I'm publicly putting myself out there to talk to others that might be interested in this, that might drive them to go to the website and find a group for themselves that they might be able to open open themselves up to this new spirituality or new path that they might be able to follow. So I don't know if that completely answers your question. No, I think that's super beautiful. Yeah. And I do, I feel like that you know, just knowing you, that shows up a lot 
kind of throughout your your home, your space, your the way that you work. Like, um, you know, I see those influences from different places. And uh, I think, yeah, you've built literal tangible things like a coven, like you've built literal things um, as kind of spaces to the gods. And it's, it's a beautiful thing um, to kind of watch you work. Thank you. Like, I love, like, the outdoor space. Like, that's something that's always evolving in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. I really, really want that outdoor space. So I have an outdoor circle that I've worked on that's pretty large. Um, We don't get to use it very much because we're in Florida and it's too hot. But it's there. And I'm I'm in there every day, you know, pulling weeds, moving stuff around, doing this and that. Um, I would love that to become something like I, every time we do ritual out there, I feel like it becomes a reservoir of power and it's got its own little heartbeat, you know? And so I'm really hoping that one day when I'm dead, that um, people are scared of this property. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for you. And then how do you find balance between all of these ambitions and all of these things that you kind of have on your plate and still are able to have meaningful contributions. It's one of those things where I feel like for me, if I was taking on all of those things, I don't know if I could pour myself into all of those cups without kind of watering myself down. And so um, how do you find the energy to do all of this? I I really don't know. Um, I think it's my personality. <laughs> I think I have a very strong headed personality and I'm the type of person um that says, if I want something, I'm going to just do it and I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to make it work. So that's how I end up doing a lot of the things in my life, Mm -hmm. um, spiritually, but even in my mundane world, um, you know, we're, I'm a homebody, you know, both me and my husband are homebodies. If we were the type of people that were constantly running around and wanting to go on vacations and go here and go there and blah, 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 I would probably have a lot more difficult time. But I am a homebody. I like to be home. I like to be, uh, like I said, building my altars and serving my gods. This is where I find peace. Um, so I really just think it's my personality. I'm a headstrong. It's that Aries moon, that horrible <laughs> Aries moon. <laughs> I, it keeps you grounded, I think, right? If you were just this creative person who like had all these ideas and couldn't bring them to fruition, but... It does. So, I mean, think about it. It's not such a bad placement because you have this Pisces person that's actually pretty creative and is always wanting to create and have this world. But then you have that Aries moon that's actually like forcing it into uh, existence. Right, right, right. You know, I'm looking at your chart right now. I was like, I'm going to go to charts. Yeah, I want to see what's in the fourth <laughs> house here. Um, yeah, I mean, and I would say that a lot of people point to, you know, the Pisces as being one of the most spiritual placements. So you got that spiritual with all of that activation energy. I can see it. I can see it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and you you can be honest about us here. That w- This is a safe space. You can say that we suck. But um, what would you say has been the most difficult aspect of being a high priest in a newly budding coven? Like what what has been the most difficult for you? I think finding people that can resonate with each other is a really difficult aspect of putting together a coven. Because you put a bunch of different people inside of a room um, and personalities are going to conflict and there's going to be issues that arise that you might not have anticipated. Um, So I think that that was very difficult, especially when I first started this project. Again, like I had no ultimate goals of becoming, becoming a uh, coven leader in any way, shape or form. I was quite content to be in my coven in South Florida, but moving prompted me to do this. I moved, you know, four plus hours away from my people down there. And I decided I had to create a group for myself so that I could continue to work in this tradition that I love so much um, and has been so formative to me. So I was kind of pushed into creating this group and I failed in the beginning. Like, and I had a lot of failures. I had a lot of, I made mistakes with people. I, I will not, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. Um, But I kept at it because I love this tradition and I love the gods and I have to be able to worship and I have to be able to do these rituals. It's, it's part of who I am. So, 
you know, perseverance. It's that Aries moon again. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this work. So, you know, and I got a little lucky, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. I talked to the gods a lot. I kept telling them, I was saying, why does this keep happening to me? Why can't I form this group? People suck. Is it just people or is it me? What's going on? But eventually, you know, time and perseverance, I think that I've managed to put together a, a group of people that I have uh, fallen for, you know, I like a lot and that seem to really like each other. And I think we're just lucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what previous groups looks like, but this group it, together, I think we fit together really, really well. Um, so much so that like, I feel anxious sometimes about the thought of adding other people. Cause I'm like, how does that dynamic change? Like what, you know, what does that look like? It does every single time. And it's also very, it's very straining on the group to add new people because you don't know exactly how that new person is going to fit in and -hmm. what they're going, how they're going to contribute and just who they are. So there is a process, you know, you put somebody in and you kind of give, I'm doing like not full on taking people into the inner group, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of put people in an out of court situation um, and you let everybody get kind of introduced and ask them questions and really get to know who that person is. So you got a whole year to kind of figure out if this person, if you want to, because, you know, initiating people into any kind of initiatory group is, a big deal because Mm -hmm. you're inviting them into your life for ever really, you know, ideally you're saying you're my family forever. You know, you're my spiritual family for our lifetime and maybe our next life, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it's important that you choose people that you can really, really resonate with. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's difficult to add new people. You never know what's going to happen, but you kind of have to if you want to keep things going because we're we're a priesthood. We're not clergy, you know. So we're teaching priests and priestesses. Ideally, you know, people will spend years doing this, and they will eventually uh, want to form their own groups and and do their own thing and have the support of their friends and family and move on. Um, but you'll always be connected that way. I am like holding back tears. You're so cute. Oh, I can't even. This is like, I I think it's, (laughs) it's really interesting and and very meta for us to be like interviewing you and you answering questions and a lot of, right, Diddy? Like, (laughs) yeah, this is like a complete role reversal of the first time you met us to make sure that we weren't (laughs) like serial killers. Um, So this is... Yeah, Yeah. I do go through a big process with you. With anybody that comes to me, goes through a, a process. I don't want any chaos in my life because I live a very peaceful life. So I look for people that are very grounded and very stable um, and are, are functioning in their mundane lives and worlds really well. Um, Because to me, that's somebody that I'm going to be able to get along with because if I, not to say that people shouldn't take on people that might be a a little wonky, you know, that might be not be the right person for my group or the group that we're working on here because I'm too busy. <laughs> I can't take on somebody that's calling me every five minutes. I can't take right. on somebody that even needs a daily talking to or anything. I need people that are functioning really well and can take information and take, uh, take the information and kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I look for in people. Yeah, I I think there could be totally like an understanding that maybe is passed on from Christian uh, leadership model where like a pastor is also perhaps like a therapist. And I hear you saying, I'm not trying to be a therapist. <laughs> I'm trying right. to be a teacher and a, a that's guider. Exactly it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly so it. And I know that there are covens out there that actually um, have students do therapy before they come because they want to make sure that those people are very lucid and very um, ready for what they're going to be getting involved with. Um, And I think that there's value in that. Um, I would be, uh, you know, I would encourage people to do therapy, um, but I haven't done it myself. So I'm not going to force anybody to do that. Um, But you're absolutely right. I'm not a therapist. I'm not prepared to be anything like that. So that's why I choose specifically. And I might actually turn some people away 
because I just don't feel like I personally would be able to deal with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. And that's and that's all coven leaders can do. It's not about turning people away because of they don't like them or anything like that. But we all have lives, you know. We all we're not like the Christian church where you're just a priest and you can just be a priest. We have to be priests. We have to be graphic designers. We have to make money. We have to go to work every day, you know. So we have to like function in multiple worlds all the time. So I think that that's what makes us uh, a specific type of priesthood and a specific type of people. Well, and two, you're not necessarily turning someone away from the practice itself. You're just turning them away Mm -hmm. from your practicing group. And so there could be another group that's a great fit for them. So yeah. Exactly. And I think that uh, Thorne Mooney has talked about this a lot where she, you know, she hunts, you know, and she says something like, if you have a problem with like eating meat or hunting for your meat, you're not going to be a good fit for my group because this is something that I really, I do. And that means you're going to have a problem with me, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so you can't really join my group, (laughs) you know, because you're not going to be comfortable here. It's not about you. It's about this idea that you have about hunting. So all those things are important to consider. And that's why we spend a year talking to people and getting to know people the best that we can before we bring them in. Yeah. Well, there's this idea, right, that you can't pick your family. But in this case, like you actually really can and you can really cherry pick your family. And so why wouldn't you, you know, when you have the ability to really pick people that you're going to go through, maybe the most influential parts of your life, like the spiritual pieces of your life, why wouldn't you pick people that you get along with, you know? So it might seem mean, I guess, but it's necessary if nothing else. And then switching gears kind of as your understanding of things and your opinions over time as they evolve, um, there's all these ideas, especially now in social media about like, what is a witch? Um, And so how would you currently define the word witch and its relationship to witchcraft? So I rarely watch any TikTok video. I, you know, how old am I? I'm 45 years old, I think. 45, 46. I, I don't he know. Somewhere great. in there. You can't see him, but not a wrinkle. Beautiful. Stuff. Yeah. I look the oldest of our entire group, and I am much younger, and it's a shame. Um. <laughs> so I don't know what's being said out there in, in the social media world. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm a little old school in the way that I perceive things, I'm trying to evolve by reading some of the newer authors. Like I'm, you know, I'm Doreen Valiente, I'm Patricia Crowther. Like I, these are the books that I love and, and grew up reading. So some of the new stuff that's out there, I'm just now starting to read and I'm doing it because I'm trying to keep up with you guys. <laughs> Cause I know you guys are reading it. I'm like, I got to read this too. So um, I believe that a witch is someone that wants to live in the natural world and really engage with it and find spiritual meaning in it. Um, other religions are kind of like void of engaging with the natural world. And for me, yeah, that's yeah. like the biggest shame, but it's also the biggest thing that drives me for my personal witchcraft um, being part of the natural world. I'm kind of an environmentalist. I'm kind of a hippie without all the accoutrements, although I do wear patchouli. Um, the craft uh, part of being a witch is just the way that we engage with our natural gods of the earth. And that's the way I perceive it. Now, when I was kind of growing up, we were told um, if you call yourself Wiccan, you have to be an initiated Wiccan, like a uh, Gardnerian, Alexandrian, one of the major, uh, and those were the only Wiccans. You know, now everybody calls themselves a Wiccan, even though they've been initiated into nothing, and they say, "Well, I self-initiated, or whatever." And I really don't care if they call themselves Wiccan now; um, it doesn't bother me. I think that it's more important that witches follow a path that resonates with them, and as long as they're not harming anybody, then you can call yourself whatever the hell you want to. Love that. Yeah, fair. (laughs) Awesome. Um, All right. Well, let's get into what you hope for in the future. Uh, So what would you like to see more of? What would you like to see more of in the general pagan, occult, witch spaces? What would you uh, hope to see for the future? 
like I need more witchcraft shit. I want more <laughs> witchcraft shit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I love my stuff. I'm definitely like a maximalist. Maximalist. <laughs> I'm a maximalist. And you guys know, you've been in my house. I love the accoutrements and all of the things. Um, but I love um, creators. You know, I think creators are, are awesome. Anybody that's creating and, and bringing more people to the craft is is a good thing. More people that come to the craft, not everybody's got to be a gardenery, not everybody's got to be an Alexandrian, but lovers of the goddess. Um, I think finding more of that in this world is going to be a great thing for the general pagan spaces. You know, it's such a unique um, time right now where there's a, there's like an influx of all this stuff. You go out and mm-hmm. everybody's got a TikTok video and everybody's selling something and everybody's creating. And I think it's great. Uh, I want to see more of it. I want to see more traditions being built for different types of people that maybe don't fit in into anywhere. Yeah, you know, for, so that everybody can find a, a space to be comfortable in um, and, you know, build it and they will come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, if you can't find something that works for you, then make it. I would like to see more people being creative in that way. Like Eddie Buczynski, who was the creator of the Manoa Brotherhood, the founder of it. He couldn't, find, there was nothing that he could fit into, right? Mm-hmm. So he made it. I love that. Well, and I think you you bring up an interesting point here. I love that you say creators because I think a lot of people are so um, anti-witch aesthetic and anti-consumerism in witchcraft. And I think you're saying actually it's a beautiful like gateway for people to learn more about um, the space. And, and it's also like you know, it attracts people. It does. And it helps them see uh, the opportunity and the worldview in a different way. You create, just want to like shamelessly plug here a little bit, you create the cutest shirts and the best designs. Mm-hmm. I have multiple, uh, multiple items. I just ordered a notebook with some of your designs on it. Um, and I hear also the connection that this is the way in which you serve the God. So creating art uh, is a form of worship for you. And then wanting to see other people do something similar. I can see that connection. Absolutely. I mean, I would really side eye anybody that was saying that there's some kind of horrible motivations of people that create or sell things. I think that that's, you know, selling like uh, snake oil, you know, it's kind of like, okay, but yeah, people that are creating just from their hearts and and wanting to put it out there, then good for them. Like my t-shirts and stuff that I sell on Mandragora Magica are not a, uh, that's not a money-making business by any means. I started doing that because people wanted to donate money to me and I had a problem with that. So I decided to put up things that were tangible that people could buy and that would give me a little bit of money because not all that money goes to me. It's a printer that it's a third hand printer, you know, a third person that does that. So, um, we make a very, you know, dollars on each of those items that sells. It's a very small amount, but it helps pay for the, um, the cost of that website. Yeah. Yeah. And I just loved also the message that you were uh, relaying about, you know, if you don't see it, uh, then then make it. I love it. I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> we live in a world of technology. You can create and find somebody that's going to produce things for you. And, you know, we live in this world. I said, just more of it. I, I love it. You know, I, not to say that, um, I'm I'm fighting Christianity because I'm really not. I don't really care about them. But you know what? We have our own cool creative uh, community. We have a really large community, um, and it could only get bigger and better. So that's the way I see it, and that's what I'm pushing for. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's the opposite of being a gatekeeper or being uh, exclusive. It's mm-hmm. about being inclusive and and encouraging people to make spaces where they all fit in. I love that. How can people connect with you? Sai, where should they look? How would you like people to connect with you? I mean, they can go to mandragoramagica.com, magica with a K. Um, That's probably the easiest way to find me, but I'm also on Facebook and Insta. Okay, great. And last question for you, which is, what advice would you give to a couple of recent Gardnerian initiates? I I mean, just, you know, asking Hypothetically. (laughs) Hypothetically, exactly. Right. Well, new initiates of any like initiatory trad, I would say the same thing. Take it slow and just slow down. 
these things are like meant to be uh, like peeling an onion as a interesting metaphor. You're supposed to cry. You, <laughs> you will cry. Yes, exactly. You will cry. Uh, you don't get initiated. All the secrets of the craft and the world are given to you. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, initiation is the beginning. That's the beginning. Um, and it's something new. So just take your time with it. Stay engaged and know that the journey is like going to be like waves. You're going to have... Um, highs and lows with it. There's going to be times where you're like, why am I doing this? And there's going to be times where you're overjoyed with what you're doing, you know? So you just have to ride those waves. And that would be my, my best advice is just ride those waves out. Yeah. Love that. Savor it. We're gonna. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Sai, for being willing to do this. Uh, We were fully prepared to get our feelings hurt and you'd be like, ah, No, I don't want to do that. Um, So thank you so, so much. Well, thanks for embarking on this new season of the show with us and really new season of life. Danny, what should the pagans know? So please join us next episode. We're going to catch up on everything that's happened since last season. Tons has happened for us. Um, And then we're also going to jump into our literary liturgy on Christopher Pinzak's book, the inner temple of witchcraft which comes kind of as a staple and highly recommended so um, we're going to dig into that one and then if you haven't yet please check out our poll on which witchy books you'd like us to review this season Um, we'd love to hear what you guys would want us to review maybe it's a book that like is just really long and you want us to do the heavy lift for you and kind of tell you what kind of witch would really enjoy this book um but definitely check in there and let us know what you're thinking you can find that at two real witches on facebook awesome so remember that having real wins and real losses real learnings and real teachings is to be a real witch so from two real witches blessed blessed be be and and be be well. well bye okay bye